0: Alrighty, everyone. Welcome back. This is, again, Tavis Killian and Anthony McDaniels bringing you some of just the absolute craziest stories in the world of energy. We've got lots of articles to talk about, and uh, I guess we should probably stop it with something we talked about last week. We were talking about NOPEC and how the API said, please don't do anything rash, and then it looks like U.S. government's going to do something rash.
1: Yeah, so we have this article here, um, Oil Price, May 7th, 2022. Our recording today is May 9th, 2022. Um, the title is NOPEC, uh, America's Last Stand Against OPEC's Drift to the East. So on Thursday of last week, so what does that give us? Uh, what would that day been? The 6th? The 5th? 5th. The 5th of May. Um, The U.S. Senate Committee um, passed the NOPEC bill. The U.S. Senate Committee of the No Oil Producing or Exporting Cartels Bill is the surest sign yet that Washington has finally run out of patience with Saudi Arabia and with the Saudi-led Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries. In their indifference to deal with high oil prices, their continued dealings with OPEC plus key member Russia and their ongoing drift towards the China-Russia axis of power, Washington has decided that the time might be right to up the ante on its former allies and let loose the sword of the NOPEC bill if if necessary, it seems. Blah! Blah, (laughs) freaking blah. We talked about this, and the API is trying to talk sense. Now, look, that doesn't mean this thing's been passed into law yet or anything. But again, things are so fragile at this point with relationships that even serious discussions by any of our lawmakers
0: publicly about this
1: could cause more damage than anything.
0: Than a bill itself, right?
1: The, I mean, just at this point, just like talking this. about it, the possibility of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they go right into uh, everything we basically talked about last week. You know, this would require them to dismantle Saudi Aramco.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Really? Really.
0: Yeah, to renege a deal that, I mean, <sighs> we told them, you are allowed to be a cartel. But why, why is it not beneficial yeah, to yeah, us now? Because yeah, energy for, prices are yeah. high?
1: For Saudi Arabia... This is continuing on the oil price article. Um, For Saudi Arabia, it would also mean that the effective value of its flagship oil and gas giant, Saudi Aramco, could be zero.
0: Cool. So the entire country collapses because it's pretty much how they make most of their money. Let's
1: clarify right now. Uh Zero in what? U.S. dollars? Yeah, okay. So then we'll just go to China even faster
0: just like that values back and you've got a new trade agreement with what, what, do you paper. want to
1: make a bad problem worse I mean that's what this looks like right now mm-hmm. it's stupid yeah it's freaking stupid I I, I I can't wrap my head around this like are you guys not seeing what is happening right now China is working more closely with the people on the other side of the world mm-hmm. and they are working more closely with them. The Middle Eastern countries, Russia, India, they're all of them, like, kind of just in this whole, yeah, whatever, you know, we're still going to trade with each other. Mm -hmm. If the U.S. dollar doesn't want us to trade through the U.S. dollar, then we'll just trade with each other in our own currency. I mean, that's what they're starting to do.
0: Yeah, it's a new cool kids table, and the U.S. doesn't have a seat because we've kind of been a bit of a bully in the past about it with sanctions and saying what you can and can't do. And I I can't blame these countries for getting sick and tired of it.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, another reason is the apparent indifference, this continues in the article, of the Saudis and OPEC to help lower oil prices right now. To the extent that Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman and the Crown Prince of Abu Dhabi even refused to take an urgent telephone call from (laughs) President Joe Biden. Yeah, Yeah,
0: of course. They don't want to talk
1: to you. You have nothing. They know why you want to talk. Mm -hmm. Hey, man, can you give me more? oil? you know, because I I have elections coming up.
0: (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Don't care. Shut up. (laughs)
1: Come come on.
0: That's about, I mean. I mean, the one thing you're threatening
1: them with, which is removal or sanctioning from the U.S. dollar system, is the one thing they're starting to rotate out of partially now. Mm Mm-hmm you want to accelerate that i don't i don't i don't see the strategic move here i mean it i don't get it. i mean what look good you your freaking i don't know whatever <laughs> you know we're just sitting here just ranting on but i mean this is just i think people who listen to our show, i think everybody should be very aware you know if anybody wants to have any political discourse within their family units or or whatever people talk whenever you want to choose to talk that stuff you know, you know, don't tell me that anything happened in the current Washington administration is doing hardly diddly squat to help bring down the price of energy in this country. Mm-hmm. Everything they're doing is alienating the people we get stuff from now. And at the same time, still continuing to be half-hearted at best and just two-faced in more reality towards their positioning towards domestic oil mm-hmm. and gas production, mm-hmm. right? Right? Like it's just it's just a whole bunch of it's just political bantering at this point. But I mean don't don't you tell me that anybody in Washington with a loud voice right now who's actually trying to pass things they're like they're saying they're trying to lower prices on people, really? By alienating the countries that we trade with?
0: <laughs> Sounds like they're doing the opposite.
1: Oh my god. I just whatever.
0: And you know, you I mean those-
1: if they want to continue doing this junk, you know, mm-hmm. whatever.
0: Um, Well, they can't continue it because like this next article we have from Insider, like you said, hey, Mohammed, it's your friend Joe Biden. Can you cut us a deal, you know, lose money, lose profits and just give energy to the world for the good of the people? Of course, he's not going to keep <laughs> yeah. taking those calls. No, I want to yeah, make money. Right? My country yeah. makes money off of this. This yeah. is the blood of my people. No yeah. way I'm going to get rid of it for free. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. This one goes back a couple more weeks. It's April 20th, 22, but the headline is, is almost, it's almost hysterically funny. The White House stops asking Saudi to pump more oil to offset Biden's Russia energy ban report says as u.s gulf relations hit new low persian gulf there um well yeah they hit a new low i mean you got the freaking president of the united states still in not that recent you know not that far away history still still giving them gruff about the assassination of that journalist a couple years back oh, whatever yeah. his name I, i'm sure that was abhorrent right mm-hmm. but look you it's called diplomacy You don't sit there and poke them for the things they're doing wrong to their own people when you need something from them.
0: It's hard to get anything productive out of arguing about morals when we've got economies and grand scales to look at.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just a whole thing, you know. So we've got this whole – I mean, it is a new low for the relations between Saudi Arabia and the United States. They have no respect for the current administration at all. They certainly don't fear them very much. I mean, if they did, they'd be doing different things right now, like namely taking phone calls right. from the quote unquote leader of the free world, but they're not. So tread cautiously. Lawmakers. I mean, apparently this NOPEC bill has come very close to being enacted before. Oh yeah, in February of twenty yeah in February of twenty nineteen, it was passed by the U.S. House Judiciary Committee, which cleared the way for a vote on the bill before the full House of Representatives. On the same day, uh, a couple of lawmakers on both sides of the aisle introduced the NOPEC bill to the Senate. This time around, it was sponsored by a couple of other you know a little bit of a mix up there but basically this has been you know cleared through judiciary committees in both chambers and and and, and it kind of tees it up for probably being passed in in somewhat of a bipartisan fashion mm-hmm. too because you yeah. got lawmakers on both sides bringing this up and and way we're going to pass it we're going to I can tell you right now if both chambers of the of the US Congress actually vote and pass this thing if it's cleared both sides judiciary committees and you got bipartisan support on that level you're probably going to look at a pass through in both chambers and if you have that i i could definitely see the president would, would sign it then it's law we yep. do that oh my my i mean i just yay you yeah, know that will so be a
0: historical nail in the coffin for the dollar as a reserve currency
1: <laughs> yeah you know and talk about more political bs you know we have another we have another oil price article uh What's the next oil price article about about Biden's plans here Tavis what's that so
0: it looks like there was a bit of an information leak and uh, if you remember from a couple of weeks ago audience listening we actually at this point it was more like a couple of months ago there was a big SPR release they used it to try to drive down local energy prices specifically gasoline. I think we saw a 10 cent decrease after millions and millions of barrels worldwide and now the new plan is to fill the SPR again. <laughs> ah, Purchase yeah. maybe 60 million barrels in Q3 just to put it back. I don't really know why we went through all this song and dance of pulling the oil out and putting it back in. I really don't think we should touch this SPR unless it's an actual <laughs> emergency. So I, I couldn't tell you where I stand on this. I think it's absurd. Uh,
1: you know, I mean, at least... At least they've kept their heads to the level of they are trying. They they know they need to keep it. They want to keep it from going too low.
0: That's true. This is better than no news, I suppose.
1: But I don't think they wanted this information to get out. I mean, it says in the title, the plan leaks. Mm -hmm. So May 5th, 2022, oil price, Charles Kennedy. The Biden administration will purchase 60 million barrels of crude oil in Q3.
0: <laughs> That's about it. Where are you gonna buy car? him from? Right? Oh, well, not sad. So. <laughs> you know, where calls. are you gonna buy him from? Can't buy it from Russia. That would be bad. <laughs> what are you gonna drain the
1: refiners so they can't turn out so they have an <laughs> even more problem
0: oh, with man. distillate it's, inventories? It's bad. I mean, as a side note, I saw an article last week and already refiners are struggling because capacity on the east east coast has been slashed and stuff like distillates oh, especially diesel, skyrocketing in price.
1: Yeah, the Biden administration will purchase 60 million barrels of crude in Q3 in an effort to replace volumes in the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve for the first time in nearly 20 years, CNN reports, after authorizing a record release over six months. Citing an unnamed (laughs) Energy Department (laughs) official, CNN said, what is referred to as the long-term buyback plan quote-unquote for oil would be announced later so yeah oil prices jumped on that big surprise wow yeah we'd still be down
0: 120 million barrels though right we we're looking at an 80 million release uh, and... you know
1: over the next six months the iea and the u.s together are set to release a total of 240 million barrels of crude oil from mm-hmm. their respective strategic reserves with the mm-hmm. lion's share of that 240 coming from the united states
0: 180 i think was straight from the SPO. i think you're right
1: yeah i mean it's just it's just it's political theater Hey, we've got midterms this year. oh uh, yeah, they don't care about what now. No. Oh, let's let's tell the people we're doing our best to keep oil prices down. So we're gonna release oil to keep gasoline prices from going to. Come on, and then oh, and then somebody in the energy department. I guess maybe they just could not stand the total hypocrisy and two-facedness of the politicians yet again. Okay. Uh, and they're like, yeah, yeah, okay. Oh, they're going to start buying oil again. <sighs> of okay. course they are. I mean, at least at least they're going to be buying them. You know, but this whole time, you know, I'm going to share my screen here. This whole time, what do we have? We have, you know, and for those of you listening, I'll talk you through it. That's all right. Don't worry about it. So from the Energy Information Administration, uh, we have distillate fuel oil inventories at basically uh levels they have not been in 17 years they're low they've been going off a cliff since covid i mean just straight on down Yep. i mean you know max covid you know our inventories there is about 100 just shy of 180 million barrels okay you know and now we're sitting at just under 105 million barrels. Now, for those of you listening, I mean, the last time we were below 105 million barrels, we were, you know, this is 2005, the last time we were that low. 2005, everybody. That's 17 years ago, yeah? So, and if you look at this graph from basically the early 80s, I mean, it starts, this data set on the EIA starts in 1982, I mean, the bandwidth on this is essentially floated between, on average, I mean, if you really look at it, you know, 100, 110 to 150, 160 million barrels. Well, it's not that in that context we are way off a cliff here, but this total downward trajectory of mm-hmm. about 180 million barrels in the summer of 2020 to under 105 million barrels now, in the spring of 2022, uh, less than two years, um, we're not seeing any signs of those diff- distillate inventories decline abating anytime soon. You know, um, And this whole time, it appears that the refining infrastructure has been trying its best to keep gasoline inventories from getting too low. All in the background of declining general crude inventories on average for the last two years. And and now you got distillers. What distillers? For those who you know, diesel fuels, jet fuels, all the stuff that powers all the shipping in the world, pretty much. Not all, but the vast majority of everything that moves around the planet, whether through jetliner, maritime, you know, you know, railway, you know, shipping. With trucks, 18-wheelers, I mean, think about all that, plus the heating oil in the Mm -hmm. East Coast. We're talking all that. That's distillates, okay? So for those of you, I mean, here where we are in Colorado, I've been noticing, you know, the spread between gasoline per gallon and diesel increasing. Mm -hmm. Diesel's up over, I mean, I saw saw over $5.20 a gallon on diesel up in Denver just a couple days ago. And gasoline in the same area at the same time is just under $4 a gallon. So, I—I mean, I would expect to see more of this, you know. I mean, if people, you know, if gasoline goes up more, diesel could go up more, plus, right? Mm -hmm. Because their inventories are so freaking low.
0: And it's not just the U.S. I mean, we've—we've talked. I mean, I think I've talked about it, especially with Kevin and stuff. But Asia—they've been struggling terribly. Southeast Asia with distillate inventories. We're seeing more and more shortages crop up, not only in just natural gas, gasoline, yeah. Across the board, all over the world, and here we are (laughs) screaming, crying, drawing attention to it.
1: Screaming, trying, you know, and then we look at that other side of the world, and we have have another article here from oilprice.com. May 6th, uh, Russia boosts crude sales to India's top refiner.
0: (laughs) Just like you said, what, two, three (laughs) weeks ago?
1: Yeah, India, the part of the article here, India, the world's third largest oil importer, is reportedly negotiating steep discounts for Russian oil and is prepared to buy, asking for below seventy dollars per barrel. So here you have international crude, Brent essentially, over a hundred dollars a barrel, and here's India, and I mean we talked about this before. They're getting this stuff at over thirty dollars a barrel off. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they don't care about the U.S. dollar trade on oil if they can get the equivalent price at over $30 off a barrel. That's a heck of a discount, yeah? Oh, yeah. So that Russian crude, guys and ladies, is all still out there. It's all still being moved, and it's all still being bought. Maybe some of it is locked up. But I can tell you that a good chunk of it is still flowing. It's still moving. It's still being bought, and it's because it's on sale.
0: And they need the stuff. I mean, India is hitting its stride. I just pulled up their GDP per capita, and between 2007 to 2019, it doubled from about a thousand to two thousand. COVID, of course, is going to hinder that, but this is a period of growth that they are looking to capitalize on to find this energy.
1: Yeah, and continuing in this article here, you know, cheap Russian barrels currently appear irresistible to Indian refiners, yeah. Earlier this week, Shell's CEO said there was, quote, no way to trace whether Shell, the same company who was mixing 49% Russian crude. Yep. Yeah. But he's not wrong here. He's, you know, basically, what he says is, Diesel coming out of an Indian refinery that was fed with Russian crude is considered to be Indian diesel. Shell's top executive added, highlighting the challenge the West faced in truly banning oil. Well, no duh. <laughs> Hello. Okay, come on, guys. Mm-hmm. Come on. And you want to sit over here and pass a NOPEC bill. Right. The Russian crude's moving anyway. They're going to sell it at a huge discount. These people are going to buy it. They don't care about U.S. sanctions if the equivalent price is on huge sale. And you know what those distillate inventories we just talked about being so low? Yeah, I guarantee you, I guarantee you that if we can't turn the trend of those distillate inventories around on our own, we will be importing diesel. And that imported diesel will have origins with Russian crude because there's no way around it. Unless you truly wanted to lop off millions of barrels a day of oil production to the global supply and then have oil skyrocket over $200 a
0: barrel. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're
1: in a box. I don't know what to
0: say. Yeah, India knows what it is from what it isn't. I mean, the argument in the U.S. is, oh, this is immoral, this is bad. But the argument in India is, hey, energy is power and the basis of growth. Let's take advantage of this while we can. Yeah. yeah. And we're just going to get left in the dust if we can't. Maintain that same perspective.
1: That's right. I mean, Tavis, why don't you tee up the, the, the China dollar dominance thing article. Tee that up for All right.
0: Audience. So for over a year now, I mean, you were back on, what, Catherine Mills accrued audacity in probably 2019, maybe 2020, talking about China challenging yeah. the petrodollar. And time and time again, we've shown that it's coming to fruition. Most recently, China calls out the U.S. dollar as it buys Russian coal, with yuan and uh, I, I can't say i'm surprised we've teed this up <laughs> they went ahead took it off the first shipment of russian coal and crude oil paid for in yuan will arrive in china in april and may respectively and this is the foundations of a beautiful relationship between china and russia and uh, not the u.s i guess we're kind of just peeking yeah. in the window missing our old yeah. <laughs> friends
1: yeah you know what i want to i want to kind of you know drop down the hype high- hyperbole a little bit, hyperbolic conversation. It's not that the U.S. dollar is just going to go into oblivion, okay? That's not what's going to happen. It's going to be a a very important currency for a very long time. What we are talking about here is these are the first multinational, multi-country, serious moves active on the world stage, not even, I mean, the stuff they're putting out there is probably only the tip of the iceberg of the stuff they're actually doing. The reality is, What nobody in this country is used to is the U.S. dollar having to share the stage with anybody else. So even if the U.S. dollar still represents well over 90% of trade, the reality is the potential for the U.S. dollar to get its way by sanctions is now in question. Diminished, yeah. significantly. Because, again, the whole idea of sanctions, everybody, is that we won't let you – Transact in our currency. We're sanctioning you. And that works if they don't have any good alternatives that they can or are willing to try going to. But right now, India is buying Russian crude on discount. They don't care about the U.S. sanctions. Hmm? Mm-hmm. China's buying Russian coal. I mean, you really think there's a big bridge from China buying Russian coal in yuan to China buying Russian gas and oil? in not yuan? No. Not, a, not even close, man.
0: I mean, the pipelines already existed it, it's just almost guaranteed at this point
1: yeah so i mean and here we go again they re- reiterate in this article that russia announced it would only accept payments in rubles for russian oil and natural gas which turned the united states and the U- european countries from those who impose sanctions to those who are now subjected to sanctions mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're going to sanction you, Russia. And Russia says, really? Okay, I don't want to use your currency now. You pay me in mine. I don't like you. Yeah, Article's right. It turned us from those imposing the sanctions to no us being subject to sanctions. Mm-hmm. So be careful when you throw out things like no back.
0: <laughs> you Maybe you is... should pay attention to the playing field right now. Uh huh. Do you think this is the first domino to fall then? Russia goes, hey India, you want this stuff still? You got to pay in our currency. I mean,
1: I think oh, these dominoes right. are yeah. I think these dominoes are already falling. It's just, mm-hmm. it's coming out through the articles, man. Yep. It's coming out. More of this stuff's coming out, it's not coming out one time. It's coming out week over week over week. There's, I mean, we first talked about India buying Russian crude at a significant discount weeks ago, month yeah. ago maybe. This isn't new. This is this is happening now, and mm-hmm. it's been happening. And it continues to be reported to be happening, and it's just gaining steam. Right? So, you know, I mean, there's a lot of press about, you know, China being nervous, wary of sanctions. They don't want to get wrapped up in this, but, you know, they're buying Russian coal in the Yuan. I mean, so what are they saying versus what are they doing? Okay? So, you know, all this on this whole backdrop here, you know, I wanna, I wanna kind of finish this off here for a couple of minutes on, on, on uh, there was a very interesting, I see this LinkedIn post um, from Energy Strong, okay? And it's citing a CNN article. And I'll, I'll just read from this here. The solar, quote, the solar energy industry has been thrown into a panic and projects are grinding to a halt after the Biden administration launched investigation that some solar CEOs worry could tank the industry. Now, I'm gonna pause a second. The reason I'm jumping to the solar thing now is because there's been a lot of banter about, well, yeah, Putin and all this stuff, he's using all this leverage because of oil and gas. We need to get off oil and gas. Well, that's all Europe's been doing for decades, really, is trying to get off oil and gas. At least for 10 years real heavy shutting down their own coal fire plants banning their own natural gas drilling and fracking development operations they've been trying to go to all this green stuff so what gets wrapped up oh yeah who manufactures almost everything on the freaking planet oh oh man what a big surprise news flash hello Mm -hmm. The Commerce Department, I'm continuing on this LinkedIn, the Commerce Department launched a probe in March, 2022, I believe they say March, it's recent, into whether four countries in Southeast Asia that supply 80% of the U.S. solar panels and parts, Cambodia, Malaysia, Thailand, and Vietnam, are using components from China that should be subject to U.S. tariffs. And those are current U.S. tariffs, right? Mm -hmm. Not my... Mm -hmm be what unravels if China continues to trade with Russia and things get worse. The fallout within the industry, solar industry, has been significant. A survey in late April by the Solar Energy Industries Association, a nonprofit trade association, sounds like the equivalent of our American Petroleum Institute, yeah, found that 318 solar projects in the U.S. have already been delayed or canceled. And several CEOs, solar CEOs, told CNN they expect more to follow. Industry leaders fear the probe could also have a devastating impact on the solar workforce. Man, it sounds like you could replace everything. I mean, this whole thing is government's getting in the way of what we need to do for energy. And I'm not saying that we don't need solar and wind. What I'm saying is don't miscategorize these things. Mm -hmm. If your concern is energy security and energy reliability, then you first need to understand Where do you get the baseload, the foundation of your energy infrastructure every day? Oh yeah, that's right. Mainly natural gas and coal for electricity, mainly. Followed by nuclear and hydro. But nuclear has its own set of political rifts and hydro is only going to work in certain places where the environment is already conducive to that, right? You can't just put Mm -hmm. that anywhere. Mm -hmm. So the Commerce Department has defended it as transparent and necessary process, but several solar industry experts and executives told CNN it has essentially frozen most solar imports into the US because of the threat of steep retroactive tariffs. Yeah, so here we are. We're worried about energy reliability and energy security. As it turns out, you still have reliable reliability issues when you work on intermittent stuff and you still have energy security issues when what you need to do solar and wind projects are largely at some point in the chain touched by manufacturing out of Asia, namely China. Okay, So if relations with China and the US erode anymore or the US is not careful and threatening China with more actions if China does not turn its back entirely on Russia, Well then, we're going to have an energy security and sourcing issue on the green front, at least equivalent, if not greater, 80 percent, yeah, than what we have with oil right now. I mean, the problem Mm -hmm. that Europe has with energy is that they rely on getting their energy from, largely from Russia. The problem with most developed countries in general, with their "not in my backyard" mentality, is that they get their energy from or components for their energy. From other nations. They don't get it themselves. Mm -hmm. They don't make it themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, so what do we have to follow up on at the end here? (laughs) Another article that just makes you almost cry. May 9th, oil price. U.S. grid operators are bracing for a wave of blackouts. California, you know, Texas, ERCOT's worried, all these things. You know, we have all this energy potential issues cropping up everywhere. Why, why are the grids under so much strain? Well, gee, I don't know. Maybe it's not helpful to efficient operations when you bolt on things that operate in intermittent frequencies where you constantly have to ramp up and ramp down your base loads. I'm not against the supplemental effect of adding electricity to the grid through means other than hydrocarbons or nuclear. Okay, that's not what this is. What this is is a sober realization that you need to understand as an energy consumer, and we all are. You want it to be reliable and secure. So for security, you gotta have some that you make yourself. And for liability, you gotta have stuff that handles the lion's share all the time, whether the wind's blowing or not, or the sun's shining or not. It's as simple as that, everybody. It's not complicated. You don't need a PhD in anything for this. This isn't that hard. It's basic math, man. If you can't figure that out, I'm sorry. But at the end of the freaking day, what we need to do is just continually rattle the cage, and banter our little drum or whatever you want to call it. And we need to you know, tell more of our listeners so they can go out again and, and tell more people that they talk about. You know, Hey, all these politicians out mm-hmm. there, they're not helping our energy security. They're not helping our energy prices.
0: In fact, the <laughs> they're not helping against it. I mean, that last paragraph in this article. The unusually hot weather comes as states struggle to build enough battery storage capacity for their wind and solar farms in time. The Wall Street Journal cited grid operators as a warning recently that the pace of progress in battery storage capacity development was too slow to compensate for the closure of fossil fuel power plants in favor of wind and solar operation. I mean, it's so aggressive. Boom! Boom! And where do you
1: get batteries from?
0: Ah, Everywhere else,
1: too. (laughs) All right, so... It's a lot quicker for us to develop our own reliable energy sources and then supplement them with other things from friendly nations. But you get overly reliant on this green motion to try and get away at fossil fuels. You still end up with energy security issues, everybody. Mm -hmm. You still end up reliant on somebody else. Oh, and at the end of the day, no matter how many farms you have for wind turbines or how many, you know, solar farms, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You're still using a lot of baseload energy production to keep the lights running consistently every day and night.
0: Mm-hmm. All it takes is one heat wave anymore, and boom, yeah. thousands of people are out of power.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I guess with that, Tavis, I think we've had a good weekly recording. We've got a little over 30 minutes here.
0: Um, Already?
1: Yeah, I know. We'll it's been by. a good one. Yeah, yeah. We've got to keep in mind here. You know, if people write in and say, "Man, go longer, go longer," we'll try to accommodate. We could, <laughs> we could go on and on and on. Um, but uh, you know, you have anything to? You know, I'm, I'm pretty much, I'm good for this. Uh, Travis, you got anything else you want to say before we wrap? As we wrap this up,
0: I don't think so. Like you said, we hashed out a lot of stuff. It was good information. And like Anthony was mentioning, if you do want to reach out to us, please send us an email to podcast p o d c a s t. At rarepetro.com, whether that's hey we think the show is good or especially hey i think you're wrong i think you're stupid and you should look at this we would love to do that we love it when you challenge our opinions because it allows us to look at more perspectives and use that critical thinking brain to come up with our own perspective so thanks for joining us you can always go to www.rarepetro.com for more content but until we see you next time take care everybody
1: thanks davis